0: Hi, everyone. This is Jill Flaxington, and welcome to the Road to Health podcast. Recently, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island had some exciting news when we announced our newest president and CEO in the 82 year history of our company, Martha Wofford. And I'm so excited to say that she's here today on this very podcast. So as some background, Martha joins us at BCBSRI, most recently serving as Group Vice President at DaVita Incorporated in Denver, Colorado, where since 2014, she supported the company's shift to value-based care for kidney patients, while also overseeing patient experience and patient education programs at DaVita's thousands of dialysis clinics nationwide. Prior to DaVita, Martha worked at Aetna for nearly a decade, leading the company's efforts to deliver simple solutions to help consumers navigate the healthcare system. I could go on and on, but I think we'd rather just hear from Martha directly. So joining me now to discuss her experiences in the ever-changing healthcare landscape, as well as her leadership lessons and priorities at BCBSRI, is our new president and CEO, Martha Wafford. Welcome to the podcast, Martha.
1: Thank you so much, Jill. I'm excited to be
0: here. We're excited to have you. So I've shared just a little bit of your background during my introduction of you, but I'd love if you could share just a little bit more in your own words about how you ended up in the healthcare industry and what you love about working in this field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was a management consultant working with companies, and I got recruited by the healthcare team, uh, and I really never looked back. Uh, And so around the things I love in healthcare, I would highlight two areas. First, I love that healthcare matters to people. It's intensely personal. And when you're sick, all that matters is getting care and getting better. And the problems are complex. Healthcare does not work like the tech industry, for example, where new tech can quickly solve a need. With healthcare, the data is complicated and hard to access and very nuanced. And I love to work on hard problems. So it's an area that matters. And one that requires our collective effort every day to try to improve.
0: It's so interesting when when you say you kind of found yourself in in healthcare. I think so many of us who work in this field didn't plan on going into the healthcare field. We found ourselves here, and but we've stayed for the large part because we find it so rewarding. I feel like that's probably a similar experience to what you've had.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So along the same lines of of really cool backgrounds, I think one of the absolute coolest things that I've learned about you is that you worked at the White House. Can you share a little bit about what you did for the Clinton administration and how your experiences there shaped who you are as a leader?
1: Yeah, I would love to. First of all, I'm an ardent environmentalist. And so I started out at the Environmental Protection Agency as a political appointee helping lead the Legislative Affairs Office. And I had the opportunity to help manage a senior team as a very young 22-year-old. And as you can imagine, I learned early on how to earn respect and followership. I also learned how the legislative process works, or these days maybe doesn't work as well as we would like. Um, And then I got to move over to the White House, where I worked on communications for environmental issues, mostly climate change, and learned how to develop and execute strategic communications, such things as building coalitions. So I left Washington with a deep understanding of policy and communications and important early leadership lessons.
0: And do you have any any specific lessons that you can share in the leadership realm with us? I can't even imagine being 22 and having that responsibility. Has that kind of shaped who you are as a leader from early on?
1: Yeah, I think it really taught me that you can't uh, just tell people what to do, you have to inspire them and you have to get them to want to do uh, the key areas that are important. And so it really uh, it taught me uh, to uh, get people on board with where I was heading uh, and really paint that picture of what was important and what the purpose was.
0: Great. And with your dynamic background, what then drew you to Blue Cross? Are there areas where you think we particularly shine, why you why you chose to come lead us? Um, and what about some opportunities for us at this specific time for healthcare?
1: Yeah, well, I am so excited about this opportunity. I'm going to give you four different reasons I came, but I could probably go on and on. Um, the first is just the opportunity to have a large impact in a market. I have been working at national organizations for the past 15 years or so. And while these can be impactful, sometimes you feel like you get spread very thin. Uh, And so I'm really excited to go deeper and really try to have an impact in Rhode Island. Secondly, I'm excited about the mission to passionately lead a state of health and well-being across Rhode Island is amazing. I have loved reading some of the press releases about the efforts, uh, like using local restaurants and catering staff to deliver food to Medicare Advantage beneficiaries. I think it's so smart. And then thirdly, I am impressed with your market position. Congratulations to the team for the impressive turnaround. It's really uh, putting the company in a very solid foundation. And then lastly, I am excited about the strategic direction of the organization, and I believe that the conditions are incredibly ripe to impact health and well-being, and there is so much need to do so.
0: So let's talk about that that impact we can have. You're coming to, to Blue Cross from DaVita, which is a company involved with kidney disease and dialysis care. Prior to that, you were at Aetna. You're deeply ingrained in the world of healthcare, and you have the unique perspective of both the provider side and the payer side. I know you're just getting here, but now that you're at the helm of the largest insurer in the smallest state, do you have thoughts about how we can have the greatest impact on the health and well-being of Rhode Islanders?
1: Uh Absolutely. And first, I just want to acknowledge I have a lot to learn about Rhode Island and I'm excited to dive in. And I'm excited about the opportunity to partner with providers to accelerate the transition to value-based care. It is incredibly difficult to transform our healthcare system to one that focuses on keeping people well. But that is the compelling purpose and one that I'm excited to devote all my energy to, and it requires deep understanding of the root cause of illness and addressing those systemic issues. As an example, I have a lot of passion about food quality and food security and helping improve diet as a path to improving health. In kidney care, we see how a person's diet can lead to decline of kidney function, but most people are completely unaware of that. And so there's a tremendous opportunity to raise awareness and help people get access to healthier food.
0: And so you mentioned keeping people well, and in a similar vein, care management, better managed chronic conditions, support for our members' health needs are all integral pieces to what we do here at BCBSRI. What are some lessons that you've learned from your time crafting value-based care and patient experience in the space of renal disease that you think would carry over into how you're going to shape strategy at Blue Cross?
1: I'll give you two examples. One thing that my team did at Devita was change how we educated patients. We shifted from talking at patients and giving them paper handouts to creating animated videos that took really complicated topics and turned them into simple, almost cartoons. We found that patients weren't understanding much of what was being said, that they faced significant health literacy challenges. And as an example, most people don't understand how their kidneys work. So we use the image of a strainer and show how when your kidneys stop working well, the holes in the strainer get stopped up, and all the toxins and extra fluid they would normally filter out get stuck in your body. And another example I'll give you is working with physicians. It is so hard for physicians to change what they do today. Most practices don't have the resources to use population health management tools like predictive analytics to understand which patients are at highest risk. We found physicians were eager for the tools and data that would let them spend disproportionate time with the patients who didn't yet look sick, but actually were heading there pretty quickly. And EMRs are designed to look at a single patient, but it's harder to see the population and make sure all patients are getting what they need to stay healthy. We developed population health management tools that would let the physicians ensure each patient was getting the right care, such as a referral to patient education or a referral to kidney transplant at just the right time.
0: So you talking about population health and and using the data that that you have available to you, that's something that reminds me of a project that our data and analytics team undertook during the pandemic. They created this population health dashboard, and it was both for, for a COVID risk for, for our membership that we then shared with some of our provider partners, um, to use in, in helping to better care for, for their patients. But it also assigned what we call the, the social vulnerability index score to a lot of our members. And that was kind of exactly what you're talking about. It was finding those members that don't currently need care management from us, that aren't currently in, in those top, um, users, utilizers of healthcare, but that might have something that impacts them that would lead them down the line, that kind of second tier down to make sure that they're supported so that if it's something as simple as making sure they have access to somewhere to to get fit or to healthy food, that they wouldn't then end up in that in that higher level of actually needing to interact with us. And I think it leads back to to your everything you've said so far about better managed care and about better better finding ways to use what we have at our disposal to better serve our members and make sure we're helping them stay healthy and well before they end up you know needing more serious interventions. And I think that probably lends itself to a lot of the work that you've done at Davita. Would that be correct to say?
1: Yeah, Jill, I think that's so important. What uh, the team has been working on, it is critical to be proactive and to get ahead of these issues, and then to really support members in everything they need. And I think one of the things we had on the DaVita side is we had interaction with patients three times a week, typically. And so we were able to understand some of those um, softer issues that they were facing, whether it was social support. And so we were able to get ahead of those issues. And I think it's really important to build the systems to be able to capture that information and then get it back out to the to the member at the point of care.
0: That's great. And so I know I just brought up our, our old nemesis, COVID-19. So much has been written about the fact that this is an unprecedented time to lead a company. What have you learned about leading from the COVID-19 pandemic that you hope to bring into your new role at Blue Cross with you?
1: Gosh, COVID-19 has been so devastating, uh, but there have been a lot of really important lessons. And I'll divide them into two areas. First, about the community. As we know, patients of color are disproportionately affected. It's emblematic of the larger issues in our healthcare system and occurring within the context of racial violence, and it just must be addressed. Secondly, so many people have been hit so hard economically. We have to rebuild our economy and get people back on their feet. Uh, I'm absolutely excited to have schools reopen. And for many of us, very eager to get kids out of the house and back in class. I have a 15 year old daughter and I could see how much she needed the social interaction. Um, and then lastly, I would say that we've been working so hard on telehealth and finally it is become the norm. And so I think that will be an important way to keep delivering convenience on the team side I guess there's two points I would make. One is uh, with my old team, I was just so impressed with when COVID hit. You know, we dropped absolutely everything and focused only on COVID and we were able to get so much done so quickly. And so I think there is incredible power in focus and we should remember to seek to do fewer things and do them well. And then I think remote work has been really effective and important for associates. And we need to get the right balance so we have enough social interaction, which is important to many of us, but that we don't lose the flexibility that has also been really important. And I know as a working mom, I have really
0: valued it. So I'd like to, to switch gears a little bit and ask just a couple of personal questions, if you don't mind, because I think I, like many of my colleagues, I'm just dying to get to know more about you. First, something that comes up, uh, is painfully obvious every time we record this podcast is, um, dogs. I know you have one because we constantly deal with barking on everyone's ends. What kind of dog do you have and what is its name?
1: (laughs) Yes, I have a, um, rescue hound. She's part Rhodesian Ridgeback and her name is Sydney and she's very high energy and it's great. And she loves to be right next to me as much as possible. So if, uh, she ever disturbs calls, I apologize. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think I think all of our dogs are in for a rude awakening when the world goes back to whatever normal is going to look like and we're no longer home all the time anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. So I I saw in your beyond impressive resume that you are, for lack of a better term, a complete and total jock. You played and captained and lettered in several sports in college. Can you tell us which ones and do you still play any of them today?
1: Yes, I uh, I played three sports in college, soccer, basketball and lacrosse and lacrosse was my best sport. And I think what's important to me is just that team sports are at the core of who I am. I love high-performing teams. I love where everybody knows their role and we can run fast in our lanes. Uh, today, I don't play any of those sports. I do run most days, uh, which gives me really important time alone to sort through problems. And also, I love being in nature. And so I love being out there every day.
0: That's great. It's a good time that you're coming to Rhode Island, to the Ocean State. I think you'll enjoy running here.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Excellent. And so I have to ask, I know you were at Aetna right over the border. I believe you're originally from New England. Have you been to Rhode Island? I never like to assume because Rhode Islanders never like to leave our state. So I won't assume that you've you've come in. <laughs> but um, how much do you know about Rhode Island? And what are you looking forward to exploring if you haven't been here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I grew up outside of Boston and loved going to Rhode Island as a kid. And I have absolutely loved every part of Rhode Island I've been to. And I am eager to go and explore the whole state and meet as many uh, members as I possibly can around Rhode Island.
0: So we're going to wrap up this episode now. A huge thank you to BCBSRI's president and CEO, Martha Wafford, for joining us today and sharing her experiences and insights. Martha mentioned healthcare literacy and illustrating confusing or complex healthcare topics for members earlier in this episode. And we happen to have an incredibly similar resource here at BCBSRI that I'll link to in the episode notes, but you can also find at roadahead.com unboxing. That's R-H-O-D-E because we're in Rhode Island. If anyone has any questions, please reach out to us. You can message us on social media. We are at BCBSRI on Facebook, Twitter, linkedin and instagram thanks as always to our sound engineer mark sheldon for your time and talents everyone please stay healthy and safe and we'll see you next time